Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening at this same time every week to Bible Crossfire. Um, the, the, we quote this verse quite often. John 8, 32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Verse 34 shows Jesus is talking about being made free from sin, which means, implies necessarily that if you're not following the truth, you're not going to be made free from sin. And so, we have all these different churches out here teaching different things. Two plus two can I equal four and five at the same time? I'm, we beat that dead horse a lot, I'm sure, but it's true. If they're all teaching different things, they can't all be right, and only the truth is going to set us free from sin, so it behooves us to diligently study God's word to find and understand the truth that will follow the truth. For example, it can't be true that baptism has to be immersion, but that sprinkling will suffice for baptism. One of those is wrong. It can't be that immersion is required, but sprinkling will suffice. So both of the churches that teach that can't both can't be right. The question we want to talk about tonight while we're waiting on our first call is, how do people react to learning the truth? And I'm talking about truth from God's word that demands a change in their belief or practice, a change in their life, what they're going to be religiously. They're taught the truth. They understand the truth. How do people react to learning the truth that's going to demand a change in their belief and practice? Well, number one, sometimes people get angry. For example, let's read in 2 Chronicles 26 about Uzziah, the king. Verses 16 through 21 reads like this. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, or courageous men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are concentrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Only the priests were supposed to burn this incense, but the king offered it. I mean, he, after all, he is the king of the whole nation. Why can't I offer the incense? No, it was against God's law. It did not appertain unto the king. It only appertained unto the priest. These men confronted this king, and, and it says they were valiant. You know, you'd have to be pretty courageous to face the king and to rebuke him for doing something he shouldn't do because he, maybe he might have your head chopped off. They confront him. Now, if Uzziah at this point had said, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that, maybe the rest of what we read would have never happened. If he had just humbly submitted to the will of God, the truth, and repented. But he didn't. Let me read the rest of this. It says, then Uzziah was wroth. That's old King James' way of saying very mad. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. But he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Uzziah did something he wasn't supposed to do, even though he was king. He had offered incense. That was only for the priests. They rebuked him. Took a lot of courage to do that. 
He got mad. He was wroth. And God struck him with leprosy. That is a good example of how not to react to the truth. You may be here listening to this radio program every Sunday night, and you may hear things on here from the Bible that the Bible proves, the Bible states, but it's different than what you've always believed in practice. How are you going to react to that truth? Are you going to get mad? Or are you going to do what Uzziah should have done and humbly submit to it? Let's go to another example of somebody who got mad when they heard the truth. I'm, I'm talking about Herodias, Herod and Herodias, and I'm turning to Mark chapter 6. I'm going to read, to start with, verse 17 and 18. Secular history tells us that Herod had divorced his wife, Herodias had divorced her husband, and now Herod and Herodias are married. And here's the confrontation. John the Baptist speaking for God in Mark 6, 17. It says, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now get what John says. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. You know, it took a lot of courage for John to say this. I want to state that first before we talk about Herod and Herodias' reaction. It took a lot of courage for John to say this. Guess what? If you read the rest of this all the way through verse 27, you're going to see that John the Baptist lost his head because of this. They executed him. They had his head cut off because he told them their marriage was unlawful. Now, I want you to think about where you go You go to church. Will your preacher, will he, will he preach that people's marriages are unlawful? I mean, most churches out there, 20% of the membership is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19.9. Let me read Matthew 19, 9. Jesus said there, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So if a person divorces their spouse for any reason than fornication and marries another, they commit adultery. That second marriage is adultery. And, and looking at this, what John the Baptist told Herod and Herodias, of course, the Old Testament was still in effect at this time. He said, it's not lawful for you to have her. He was demanding that they terminate that marriage. Most preachers will say, well, divorce is regrettable. But if you remarry, just, it's okay to stay in the marriage you're in. It's okay. That's not what John the Baptist said. He said, it's not lawful for you to have her. It's, Herod, it's not lawful for you to have Herodias. Now, how did Herod and Herodias react. They got mad and they did what we call shooting the messenger. They killed John the Baptist. They got so mad. Instead of humbly submitting to this truth that would set them free from sin. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give us a call at 877-655-6755. Henry from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, Brother Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. I had a question about Romans 10, 6, and 7. I understand the other verses, but I don't understand how this fits in with that. More specifically, uh, to bring Christ down and to bring uh, up Christ from the dead, That I just don't understand what they're talking about or Paul's talking about here. I don't know either, Henry. Henry, let me study that. Maybe when we have our study Monday evening, uh, maybe it, I can we can talk about that because I don't really know right off the top of my head. Okay, not a problem. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks. I don't know. Problem. That's you the best answer time. I can give you. Right now. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you, Henry. Very good. All right. Thank All you. Right. Goodbye. I mentioned just now about Henry, and we study regularly with Henry every 
Monday night. And we're going to talk about, we can talk about what Romans 10, 6 and 7 says after we studied a little bit. Uh, if you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, you know, morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever it would be good for you, whatever day of the week, I'm going to leave my number at the end of the program so you can call or text me and we can arrange to have that free one-hour phone Bible study. Mark from Ohio, go ahead with the Bible. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, thanks for taking my call. And uh, I listened last week, and uh, I agree with you on the baptism doctrine. But you mentioned last week that we are in a millennium, uh, starting in Jesus's day. And my thought is, how can we be in a millennium now if it's a millennium to a thousand years, and it's been two thousand years since Jesus? Okay. And the reason is, Mark, and I want to get your email address. The reason is because the word a thousand, many times in the Bible, just like we do, we might say, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. We don't mean literally a thousand. We're using the word a thousand to refer to a a large number. And that's what's going on with the millennial reign and the thousand year reign in Revelation 20. The word 1,000 is used to refer to a large number, not literally exactly a thousand. Like in the book of Psalms, it says, the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. Well, it's not saying exactly a thousand. It's saying the cattle on all the hills belong to the Lord. Does that answer your question, Mark? The thousand represents a long period of time. But the millennium, I thought, that, in my thought, I thought the millennium was a thousand years in the future where God's going to present his son a thousand-year reign with, with with the Christians that made it in life that were faithful, that God would present His Son with that gift of what the world would look like in a in a in believing realm for a thousand years. That's what Mark, I thought me, it was. Let me ask you what you think, Mark, about Mark nine one. Jesus is speaking here. He says, "Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, though they have seen the kingdom of God come with power." Now I don't know how to take that, Mark, unless it's Jesus is saying. Some of the people that were listening to him at that time would still be alive when the kingdom started. So that's why I say we're in the millennium now because the kingdom started in the first century time frame. And a thousand is not a literal number, but means a law, a, a big, large number, like the cattle upon a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. Jill from Louisiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, thank you. Um, I was just wanting to follow up a little more on uh, Matthew nineteen nine about um, divorce. I mean, uh, adultery being the only uh, justifiable reason for divorce. And right. I had it suggested to me once that what the Bible was talking about was if a woman um, lied and said she was a virgin prior to marriage, and then he found out afterwards that she was, in fact, not a virgin, that that is what they were talking to about adultery instead of maybe a spouse cheating while they were married. Well, let's think about the verse. What the verse says is, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery. Now, that implies, I'm pretty sure you would agree, Jill, that implies Mm -hmm. that a man may divorce his wife for fornication and remarry without committing adultery. Right? That's the implication. So, So we're getting at, well, does the fornication have to occur before the marriage, as in the case you're talking about, she says she's a virgin and he finds out she's not. Or could right. it be talking about the fornication after the marriage? And to me, the verse would fit either case. If he's divorcing right. her right. because she committed fornication, if that's mm-hmm. really the reason he divorced her, then he could remarry. Right. It could have, The fornication could have occurred before the marriage. 
And as you said, he, mm-hmm. she represented herself as a virgin, but she wasn't. And he finds right. out when it's too late, he's already married to her. Well, then he could divorce her for fornication because he's doing it because she true, committed true. fornication. If the fornication okay. occurs after the marriage, what we normally call adultery, then he could divorce right. her for that because she's committing fornication. So it doesn't say, really, it doesn't say that the fornication occurs before or after the marriage. Jesus doesn't say. Right. It just says the divorce has to be for fornication. So I take it to mean the fornication could occur before the marriage, as you said, if she if she represents herself mm-hmm. as a virgin, but he finds out, say, on the honeymoon that she wasn't a virgin, she had committed fornication, right. or she commits fornication after the marriage, what we call adultery. In either case, I would say he has the right to divorce her. But it has to be okay. the real reason. It can't just be an excuse. You follow what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, so and that I'm in has the middle to be of the real reason that life. he's divorcing her. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. No, no, no. I was just saying I'm in the middle of this exact scenario in my own personal life. And um, so I've, I've struggled with it trying to make sure, you know, that I do everything correctly according to God. Um, so I just wanted to get into it a little deeper. But, no, I agree with what you're saying completely. Yeah. So I'm going to call so, you maybe. I'm going to try to call you later, Jill. Maybe we can set up a study. Okay. We can talk about it more in detail, okay, if you want to. Great, great. But, yes, absolutely. But, the way I look at it is Jesus doesn't tell us when the fornication occurs. So if somebody says it has to be before the marriage, I know people that believe that mm-hmm. the fornication has to occur before the marriage. Okay. They're limiting right. the text more than Jesus does. And if somebody says it has to occur after the marriage, they're also limiting the text more than what Jesus did. Right. Right. Okay. But, but what I'm, what I was trying to emphasize, Jill, sometimes people will use as an excuse they will divorce right, right. when, and they say it's for fornication, but they, it's not really for fornication. That has to be it. Ha, the fornication has to have occurred, and that has to be the real reason they're getting divorced. According the divorce, right? And God's the divorce. only one that's going to know that in their heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you. Jill. Well, thank appreciate you. your call. Appreciate your call. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Bye. Bye. So we were talking about John the Baptist in Mark six, and I'm glad that Jill brought up the scenario of, of, of Matthew 19.9 and asked the question about that. Now, in Mark 6, we're not actually talking about New Testament law, I don't think. It's before the law, the Old Testament law was nailed to the cross. But, but I think it illustrates well, Mark 6.17 and 18, what a person would have to need to do if they find themselves in an unscriptural marriage. Herod and Herodias are in an unscriptural marriage, evidently according to Old Testament law. And John the Baptist says, it's not lawful for you to have her. So in today, under New Testament law times, if a couple finds themselves in a marriage situation that's unlawful, according to Matthew 19, 9, in the similar passages, they're going to have to do exactly what John the Baptist was implying that Herod needed to do, terminate the marriage. I've been married to Carol for 34 years. If she cheats on me sexually, then I have the right to divorce her for that and remarry. But if she doesn't cheat on me and I divorce her for any other reason, And I remarry, say, I remarry Betty. Jesus calls that marriage to Betty adultery in Matthew 19, 9. Well, how can I get forgiveness for that? I need forgiveness because the Bible says adulterers should not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, the way to get forgiveness for that is to repent. What does repentance imply that I'm going to do? I can't just say, God, I'm sorry for the adultery. All the while, I'm planning to, you know, regularly commit adultery with my second wife, Betty, every weekend. You know what I'm saying? No, I can't do that. I mean, can do two gay men who are married who want to do what's right and repent of that and get forgiveness? Can they say, God, we're sorry about the 
being married, but we're going to stay in this marriage. Can you forgive us? But we're going to stay in this sexual relationship. No, they got to terminate that gay marriage. It's And the adulterous marriage has to be terminated also. But I've been told probably about 95% of the churches out there, 20% of the membership is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19.9. And the church just goes along with it. They just go along with it. That means if you're listening to this program, chances are, and I don't have the exact numbers here, but chances are 95% chance you're part of a comp- of a congregation that is compromised on divorce and remarriage. That 20% of the membership is in a second or third marriage that's in violation of Matthew 19, 9 in adultery, but the church is not willing to do what John the Baptist did in Mark 6, 17 and 18 and say, it's not lawful for you to have that brother's wife. Instead, they just go along with it. Now, John the Baptist was willing to do that, even though he lost his head for it. But a lot of preachers today aren't willing to say that. It's not lawful for you to have her because they're afraid of losing a few members or afraid of losing some of their contribution. Boy, how things are different with preachers today than they, than John the Baptist. It's totally different. Now, we're talking about in the overall scheme, what about people? How do they react to the truth? They learn the truth that demands a change in their life. Perhaps you're learning tonight that it's not right to be married to your spouse because it's a second or third marriage in violation of Matthew 19, 9. What are you going to do with that truth? How are you going to react to that truth? You going to try to kill the messenger? Hmm. Going to try to shoot the messenger? You can't do that. You got to obey the truth. You have to sub- humbly submit to the truth. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Tori from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, thanks for taking my call. So I, I'm asking, it's a, you know, kind of a long, a long-winded question, but to kind of summarize, um, I was living a, a homosexual lifestyle for years. I was actually in um, a homosexual marriage, <clears throat> and God so graciously chased me down, rescued me from that lifestyle, and I am no longer living that lifestyle um, and have no, no desire, no interest in that lifestyle. But I'm concerned. Good for you, Tori. Good for you. Thank you. Go ahead. No, it's all God. It's all God. I couldn't have done it on my own. But in that, I, you know, in in this conversation, just kind of wondering, like, what the thought would be if I were to fall in love with a man, if if it would be a blessing, you know, God would bless a marriage between myself and a man. So the only, yeah, and the only marriage you had was a lesbian marriage is what you're telling me. Correct. Right. Which so I'm looking it, at it. Was not a, yeah, it was a sinful, sinful nature and not blessed yes. by God. Correct. Okay. Yes, exactly. Very good question. I'm looking at a passage, Tori, Romans seven two and three. I don't know if you can turn there, but Romans seven two and three says this. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man. Excuse me. I started verse three. Let me read verse two. Okay. For the woman who hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married 
to another man. So what we learn from that, Tori, is that when you have a scriptural marriage, like myself and Carol, I'm bound to Carol, obligated to Carol as long as she lives. She's bound or obligated to me as long as I live. And that's why it's it's wrong for me to divorce Carol and marry, say, Betty, as I used in my illustration, because I'm bound or obligated to Carol as long as we live. But you've never had a scriptural marriage. Therefore, Correct. you're not bound. You're not obligated to anybody. So it would be perfectly fine for you to contract a marriage with a man. That would be your first scriptural marriage. The only marriage you had in the past was something that was unscriptural. So you were never Correct. bound or obligated. And I think that's obvious to the woman that you were married to, according to Romans 7, 2, and 3. You follow me? Yeah. Praise God, yes. <laughs> so if you marry this man, and I hope you do find the perfect Mr. Right, if you marry this man, you're not committing adultery against that previous lady because that was never a scriptural marriage to begin with. You were never bound or obligated to that lady to start with. You follow me? Got it. Absolutely. So God is going to definitely allow you a first scriptural marriage. Okay. okay. Beautiful. Because you're Thank not cheating. You so There's nobody there yes. for you to be cheating on. Nobody there yeah. for you to be cheating against. If I divorce Carol because she burns the biscuits and marry Betty, <laughs> then every time I sleep with Betty, I'm really cheating against Carol because right. I'm bound to her as long as she lives. There's nobody you're going to be cheating against. You have a perfect right to marry that man. Okay? Thank you so much. God bless you. Good question, Tori. Lynn from Oklahoma, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. In reference, uh, in reference to the divorce, I mean, we're talking a lot about the man putting the wife away for adultery or fornication, but uh, both of my marriages were divorced, uh, where I filed the divorce on the grounds my first husband left me, and I was continued to stay married for two years before I finally gave up and, and filed a divorce. And then my second husband was married to another woman in another country. And ultimately he, um, you know, his demise was sad. He ended up committing suicide. So, I mean, am I obligated? I mean, I, I divorced both of my husbands based on their infidelity. Is that still applicable for women as much as it is for men? Yes, it is. Most passages in the Bible are going to be put from the perspective of from the man or from the woman. The Bible teaches that God is no respecter of persons, Acts 10, 34, and 35. Acts 3, excuse me, Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says there's neither male nor female. So most passages are going to apply to the woman the same as they apply to the man. There are exceptions, like it tells a woman not to speak in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35. Okay, Lynn? But as a general rule, go ahead, Lynn. As, as being a two-time divorced woman, and then the second time would be considered a divorced widow. I don't. I've been a widow now for you know almost three years, but he left in 2011. So it took another three years. Well, two years, 11, 12, 13. It took three years to finalize the divorce. But as a widowed divorced woman, I'm free to remarry again. Correct? Okay. You divorced your first husband because he cheated on you. Am I right? Both of them. Yeah, so you're free to remarry. Which of those two husbands okay. died? Which of those two husbands died? The second one. Okay, and the first one's still alive. I don't know. But you divorced I don't have that first husband. With him. 
you divorced that first husband because he cheated on you sexually. He left me. He, he left me and was gone for two years. And I divorced him. Did he cheat on Did he commit fornication? Yes. Oh, okay. Adultery, and, yes. And you divorced him for that reason? Yes. Well, I mean, the laws today is incompatibility. They don't say, you know, most of my, my, my divorce paperwork says incompatibility because they don't use that term, the biblical terminology anymore. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, Lynn, but maybe we can talk later. I'll try to give you a call. I have to go off the air right now, but if you really divorced him for fornication, you have a right to remarry. But we'll have to talk about the last thing you're talking about maybe on the phone, okay? Thank you for your call, Lynn. Okay, i got to go you. off the air. Okay, bye-bye. If you would like to take advantage of that free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256 682 